minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national and international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Scarno. I'm hosting today's program. That's right, the Anarchist World This Week on your local community radio station and a few other radio stations that are not affiliated with the Community Radio Network. So the ideas are getting across the country. So what's an anarchist? An anarchist is somebody who believes in a society without rulers, not without rules, without rulers. And obviously, as we're all tainted with original sin, if we didn't have rulers to tell us what to do and push us around and tax us and all those wonderful things, we'd all be raping and killing and stealing from each other, wouldn't we? That's why we needed the Ten Commandments, because we're all tainted with original sin, because of the... I sound like one of those Bible-bashing morons, but I just thought I'd make a bit of a joke about so how do you create a society without rulers? You create a society without rulers by devolving power. And what does the word devolve mean? It means by including as many people possible in the decision-making process, including the people the decision affects in the decision-making process, and then appointing or uh, electing delegates to coordinate those decisions that are local, regional, national, and possibly even international level. Society where wealth is held in common and use for the common good. Motherhood statements, you know, motherhood statements. Everybody who recoils in horror at the word anarchism or anarchy doesn't really understand what it's all about. It's about creating a society without rulers. You know, when you see Mr... Um, sorry, President Donald Groper, you know, signing pieces of paper with a plomp, you realise what uh, rulers can do. Okay, let's move on. Now, today, I'd like to start off by terrorising the people of Australia. You like that word? Terrorising. And how am I going to terrorise them? I'm going to talk about checks and balances. Now, we like to think we live in the greatest country, the greatest nation state in the history of the human race on planet Earth, if not the galaxy or the universe. That's what Australians like to think. Now, I think most Australians would be surprised at how few constitutional checks and balances exist in this country. Checks and balances. Now, my President Donald Groper, and I did have somebody email me saying I should stop using it 
the word groper it happening 11 years ago. But that's another story. I will continue. I can't bear using the T word. I can use the C word, corporations, but not the T word. So President Donald Groper, he can, he can sign all the executive orders he wants to. But unfortunately for the Groper, unfortunately for the little emperor, a significant number of checks and balances have been incorporated in the United States Constitution to protect citizens, and the key word is citizens, from the arbitrary exercise of state power. So the Groper can, with flourish, you know, sign all these executive orders, but there are checks and balances in the system to prevent a president acting as an emperor or a dictator. Now, I think most Australians would be shocked to learn, although there is a constitutional right to free speech in the United States Constitution, there is no constitutional right to free speech in the Australian Constitution. We're told, you know, you know, we've got free speech. We don't have free speech. We only have an implied right to discuss political matters that comes into force during an election campaign. I mean, the High Court judges had to think hard and long about that one because they finally came to the decision that you really can't have free and fair elections if you don't have free speech during that period. So no constitutional right to free speech in the Australian Constitution. I think the men and women of this country would be horrified to learn there are no constitutional rights which protect the individual from the arbitrary exercise of state power. What does that mean? That means the state, through the government of the day, can basically do whatever it likes to individuals and groups of people because there are no protections in the Constitution. The Constitution is the book of rules which regulates how this country functions. And that's why so many rights and liberties have been removed from the statute books in the last decade, or 15 years, to protect us from terrorist attack. Almost every day, parliamentarians pass legislation that strips away our rights and liberties, and you'll like this, to protect our rights and liberties. Few Australians seem to see the irony in this. There is nothing, N-O-T-H-I-N-G, nothing, zero, zilch, nil, in the Australian Constitution a document which primarily regulates the relationship between the states and the federal government to prevent a government with a majority in both houses of parliament from jailing redheads indefinitely because they are perceived they are they are perceived threat they are a perceived threat to national security yeah if you think I'm picked on picking on redheads because of Pauline now it's Julia Okay.
Now, this couldn't occur in the United States because of the constitutional protections citizens enjoy. President Donald Groper may huff and puff and go red in the face, but if he tries to violate a citizen's constitutional rights, he's got a problem, unless he's been able to stack the Supreme Court with his own hand-picked uh, yes-people. I mean, enough checks and balances exist in the United States Constitution to trip over a president who thinks he can rule by degree, he can by decree, he can bypass the Constitution, he can bypass the Congress, he can bypass the Senate. An added protection, and you may find this a little bit strange, the United States Constitution is the right of citizens to bear arms. Despite the deaths of over 30,000 Americans every year from gun violence, many in mass massacres, there is little appetite to curtail this right in the United States. The right to bear arms grew out of the revolutionary struggle during the American War of Independence in the 1770s. Armed citizens' militias formed the backbone of the independence movement. The right to bear arms is just one of the many mechanisms that United States citizens can exercise to ensure a government thinks twice before it tries to impose by decree or legislation an unpopular legislative agenda. So when you compare the United States Constitution with the Australian Constitution, it's comparing apples and oranges. Now, obviously, rights that are enjoyed by the United States citizens under the, Australian, under the United States Constitution are only extended to citizens. They're not extended to the rest of the world. We see the United States Act, you know, illegally across the world. They're not extended to illegal immigrants and refugees, green, even green card holders and many minority groups in the United States. Just in case, just in case you think we extend favours to asylum, constitutional favours to asylum seekers, think again. The High Court of Australia decided nearly a decade ago the Australian government could legally detain asylum seekers for life despite any charges being laid or any court proceedings being held. We've had situations where asylum seekers have been jailed for up to a decade in this country. I mean, we could, if we wanted to, that's if Parliament wanted to, and looking at the recent opinion polls, it's always a possibility, we could constitutionally introduce a ban on Muslim migration today if a majority of members in both houses of federal Parliament pass the necessary legislation. Remember, Australia was founded on the White Australia principles principle and race played a central role in Australia's immigration policies until the mid nineteen seventies. It happened then, it could happen again. So think about it. Checks and balances, checks and balances. And this is what we talk about as an anarchist. Checks and balance balances. Devolving power. Now some megalomaniac like me, Joseph Toscano, gets his hands on the levers of power and rules by decree, 
I could do anything as long as, oh, you know, the state apparatus kind of supported me. And there are ways, we, as we see dictators, uh, use the state apparatus to extend their fantasies, put their fantasies into action, whether it's the final solution or, or whatever, the Pol Pot experiment. There they are, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, acting on their instructions. So the more you centralise power, the greater the ability of an individual to do incalculable harm. The greatest terrorist atrocities that have committed in the history of the world have been committed by nation states. They've been committed committed by centralised authorities. Obviously, individuals and movements have also been involved in terrorist atrocities, but compared to what happens when a nation state is captured by a tiny minority of a specific political, social and cultural agenda, as we saw in Nazi Germany and as we saw in Turkey during the Armenian Genocide in, I think it was 1916 or 1716, you can actually see what happens when the state puts its mind to exercising power. So checks and balances, even in a nominal democratic society like Australia, are essential to prevent the state making the lives of individuals a living hell. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Descar. I'm hosting today's program. Let's move on. Let's move on. Because there are a lot of interesting things happening. But the thing is... It's not just about interesting things happening, it's about what we do about it. Now, just in case you've been overwhelmed by all this and you live in the city of Melbourne, or regional Victoria for that matter, or maybe even Darwin, and uh, you've heard of the man Richard Tate, T-A-T-E. Now, Richard has been an activist for many decades. He's now in his mid-80s and is battling a number of serious health issues. So public interest before corporate interests, and Richard was a foundation member of public interest before corporate interests, will be holding a living wake. You like that? A living wake. At midday, on Saturday the 11th of February, to tell Richard, to his face, how much... We appreciate all his efforts. That's right, a living wake. What's the point of having a dead wake? You know, you haven't got the person there to respond. It's not a roast, it's a living wake. Uh, It'll be held at midday, Saturday the 11th of February. It'll be held at the Food Star, the Function Room at the Food Star All You Can Eat restaurant. You like that? All You Can Eat. Just what we, just what I say, beast people need to go to a food star or we can eat restaurant. Both there's both an Asian and Western menu. I've been told. It's at three hundred and fifteen Nepean Highway in Frankston. So as you drive into Frankston on the left hand side, it's there. If you get to the tall ten story tower, you've missed it. It's before that. Okay, you can't miss it. There's a lot of gaudy signs just what we expect from all you can eat but the great thing about it is the cost $12.50 for seniors 
and $14.50 for non-concession holders. Now, just turn up. You don't have to book. You don't have to ring anybody. Just turn up. When you get there, there'll be somebody there to show you where the function room is. Booking's not necessary. We don't want you to book. Just turn up on the day. If there are too many people to honour Richard at his living wake, Richard Tate at his living wake, well, we'll spill out into the streets. Okay, so just turn up. Great afternoon. Great way not just to meet Richard Tate, but meet like-minded people, members of public interest before corporate interest, radical activists from across the city of Melbourne. And if you're visiting from interstate, pop in. Good way to meet activists. 315 Nepean Highway, Frankston, this Saturday, midday sharp. And why midday sharp? Been an all-you-can-eat restaurant. You know what it's like. You know what it's like. If you turn up late, there may not be much to pick from. Okay, listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Well, we've talked about checks and balances, and a few other things we should talk about include a little comment I heard yesterday, or was it the day before, and it was a very telling comment. It was a really telling comment. And I heard this Muslim woman who'd been born in this country saying that things had changed. That things had changed, that she felt unsafe leaving her home. That just the act of walking down the street or catching public transport or taking their children to the local public school made her feel unsafe because of the changing cultural, social and political climate in this country. And she categorically stated that this was new. New, N-E-W. She didn't feel unsafe before. She felt part of the community and now she feels unsafe in this community. So things have changed. They've changed to such a degree in certain sections of our society because of the unrelenting campaigns that have been um, carried out trying to pigeonhole some minority group for the problems we suffer as a society, that we now have minorities in this country feeling unsafe. And if there is one way to increase recruitment to groups like Islamic State, which finds itself on the back foot militarily in the Middle East, it's to make minorities, and in this case Muslim minorities in this country, unsafe. Because in that situation, you turn to other ideas. So it's wonderful, isn't it? Wonderful. And I just noticed too that our good friend, well, it can't be Donald's, always President Donald Groper's fault, wouldn't be his fault, but our good friend, I've noticed that... Um, 
our good friend has, um, you know, said there are all these terrorist acts that have been underreported. And you know why that's out there for? Because sooner or later we're going to see an expansion of United States military power and we may see direct intervention back in the Middle East at a greater level than it exists today. So think about it. We're all being softened up, all being softened up for what's about to occur. And the fact that we have people feeling unsafe in our community because of who they are is a great deal of concern. Not that other minorities haven't felt unsafe before, like Aboriginal people and Torres Strait Islander people and every new wave of uh, immigrants. But again, this seems to be a little bit different. This is a coordinated campaign from reactionary elements in our society. Talking about reactionary elements, was I pleased? Was I pleased to see Senator Corey Bernardi, I think that's his name, I try not to remember these people's names, but Senator, let's call him Corey, Senator Corey, first name, formed the Australian Conservative Party. You like that? See, the beauty about being a member of parliament, you don't need 500 members to set up a political party. You know, as you all know, public interest before corporate interest is uh, slowly gaining a membership base, which we can then use to apply for registration as a federal political party later on this year and possibly a state political party in Victoria the following year. But if you're a member, if you're a member of parliament, you can create your own party. Now, the beauty about the Australian Conservatives is we now have a plethora of parties, reactionary parties, either in parliament or wanting to be in Parliament. And I'll list them off. You've got the, you know, the, was, liberal, was it Liberal Democrats? What a bunch of conservative wankers. Then you've got this new party, the Australian, we won't call them conservatives, they're not conservatives, the Australian Reactionaries. You know, I know a lot of conservatives, these people aren't conservatives, the Australian Reactionary Party, you know, which is going to be funded by our good mate Gina the woman who holds more wealth in this country than 2.5 million Australians. But that's another story. I mean, we love rich people, don't we? They worked hard to get where they got. And you're bloody bludgers listening to this program. You deserve what you get. Well, that's what they think. Then we've got this, I think there's an Australian Liberty Alliance. We've got the Rise Up Australia Party. Then we've got Divided Nation. Then we've got the Jackie Lambie Party. And we've got the Justice Party, our good old Darren's Party. So on the right, we've got all the plethora of parties. And, and the beauty about the Australian Conservative Party is these are the intellectuals. They think of themselves as the intellectuals. These are the three traders, you know, the cons- reactionary three traders. So let's see how far they get. I don't think they'll get anywhere. I don't think they'll get anywhere. And that's why Corey, me mate Corey, Senator Corey, waited for the election to be held and stood as a Liberal Party senator because he knew that if he went as an Australian Conservative, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a hope in hell of him being elected. Now, the only good out of this is that me mate Malcolm, 
Turnbull, is it? Turnbill? Ah, oh, Turnbull. I get confused. You don't know who Australian, who's going to be the next Australian Prime Minister. Me mate, Malcolm, may have the monkey off his back for a little while. Well, I don't think so, because Corey's just the tip of the iceberg, the reactionary iceberg in the Liberal Party, because historically, the Liberal Party, which was formed after the Second World War, was a coalition of Liberals and Conservatives, people who were economic Liberals and who were social Conservatives. And there's always been this friction in the Liberal Party between the Liberals and the Conservatives, and it'll be interesting to see if, if the Australian Reactionary Party, a.k.a. the Australian Conservatives, gets off the ground as a viable political entity, in which I doubt irrespective of the amount of money Gina pours into the party, um, it's possible the Liberal Party could actually split split on ideological lines because this marriage between Liberals and Conservatives has been an unhappy marriage for a long, long time. And as we know, the older you get, if you're in an unhappy marriage, the more likely you will divorce in old age till death do us part. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Scott. I'm hosting today's program. So that's so. If you want an antidote, you want an antidote to all this garbage that's happening out there. All these political parties which are being formed, who think the answer to our social and cultural issues, and our political issues and our economic issues, is to point at the other and say. It's their fault. We'll stop them coming here. We'll get rid of them. It's their fault. It's that scummy people's fault that wear those funny things on their heads, you know. It's their fault because they wear long dresses. It's their fault because they got blue eyes. I mean, it seems to be a plethora of the political parties which, you know, uh, which are blaming the other. And on the other side of the ledger, there's very little going on, unless you think of the Greens as some type of radical initiative and obviously under Senate Richard Di Natale we've seen a little bit of a friction within the Greens in terms of the more radical elements within the Greens compared to the Di Natale and his supporters. So I've said for a long time, if you want an antidote, you want an antidote to the Redhead's Divided Nation and you want an antidote to Corey's Australian um, reactionaries. You want an antidote to those parties. You want you don't want them to sweep the electoral slate. Well, then it's about time we looked at a radical, broad-based radical alternative. And public interest before corporate interest is such an alternative. It's a matter of putting the interests of the community as a whole before the interests of unaccountable corporations whose major responsibility is to create ever-increasing profits for their major shareholders, irrespective of the human, social, environmental and national costs. Think about it. So, you're welcome to join Pipsy, public interest before corporate interests. You can call me on 0439 395 489, 0439 395 489 for an application form. If you've got access to a computer, you can download the application for from pipsy.pibci.net or you can write to us for an application form. Yes, we must be the only political organisation on planet Australia 
that you write to. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Now, I'm a little bit pissed off with the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, the government guild at ABC. I'm not pissed off because they've been taken over by the Institute of Public Affairs. I'm not pissed off because, you know, they allow scum like that to dominate the airways. I'm not pissed off because of the trite, crappy programming that occurs, especially on local radio across this country. I'm not pissed off about all that. But I am pissed off that although we all, who are, all of us who pay taxes, pay eight cents a day, it could be nine cents a day these days, to keep the ABC afloat, but, but an increasing number of Australians have been totally ignored by the Australian Cor- Broadcasting Corporation, and I'm not talking about r- radicals like myself and you listening to this little program, not talking about that. I am talking about all those people who, for whatever reason, don't use the net. Who don't use the net. Who've made a principal decision not to use the net. Who don't want to learn about the net. And we're talking about 35, 40% of Australians. Because they say to you all the time, go to the net, go to the net, look at it. No telephone numbers, no postal addresses, just go to the net. Competition, Go to the net. New recipe, go to the net. Have a look at it. A lot of crap. I mean, they're supposed to be there for all Australians, not just those who uh, have decided to use the, the, you know, the World Wide Web. Give us a break. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is podcast. This program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3CR. Dot org dot au. That's freecr.org.au. Very simple. Right, now, I left the best till last because we need a fair bit of time for this. And although it's a little bit Victorian-centric, what I'm going to discuss now affects all Australians. All Australians. Because, as I said at the beginning of the year, and as everybody is saying, housing affordability is the central issue in this country. Because in over the last two decades, we have been transformed from a nation of potential homeowners to a nation of renters. We have seen the state absolve itself of its responsibility, Pontius Pilate-like, of looking after the housing needs of the citizens and residents of this country. We have forgotten that affordable housing is a right, not a privilege. And about three to four months ago, public interest before corporate interest was approached by a number of public housing groups to coordinate a campaign and we to raise the profile of public housing and we formed the Defend and Extend Public Housing Group and uh, those of you who have been following the campaign some through the Facebook page Defend and Extend Public Housing Australia and others through telephone calls and general conversation and rallies will know that we now have a policy of conducting one rally 
every month on a parliamentary sitting day outside Victoria's Parliament House in Spring Street to raise the issue of public housing, not just the community at large, but to put pressure on the 88 members of the House of Assembly, Victorian House of Assembly, and the 40 members of the Legislative Council to put public housing as the number one issue in Victoria and Australia, if possible, during 2017 and 2018. Now, there has been issues regarding homelessness in Melbourne and the way homeless people have been treated by the Melbourne City Council and the fact the Melbourne City Council has been able to pass legislation with a five-to-four majority which will give the council and the police the ability to ensure that people don't camp out on streets. Although homelessness will not be illegal, the fact that you need something to sleep on will be illegal for all intentional purposes, outlaws the homeless from using the Melbourne CBD. Now, we all know that this is a political problem. This is a political problem that just does not affect local councils. This is a political problem which affects state government and federal government. This is a manufactured crisis which has been manufactured because state governments and the federal go- and successful federal governments have refused to see it is the responsibility of the state, not the private sector, the state to house its citizens who cannot access rental accommodation or cannot afford to enter a booming, overheated property market. Now, historically, housing crises have heard have occurred during depressions. In the 1840s, and again I'm familiar with Victoria, in the 1840s people were starving in the streets because of an economic collapse. In the 1890s, the problem, in inverted commas, the problem of homelessness became so acute and anarchist groups which were around in the 1890s in Melbourne were very vocal were involved in the homeless struggle, came to such an ex- the homeless struggle became such an, a key issue that the government opened up land in the Dandenong Ranges to the homeless. And if you were willing to go to the Dandenong Ranges and clear five acres and put a tent up, that five acres became yours. And that's how they resolved the homeless problem in the 1890s. But this was during Depression. We are now still still in a booming economy. And in a booming economy, we find ourselves in a situation where homelessness and access to housing is becoming an increasing issue for an increasing number of Australians, an increasingly important issue. And we are seeing governments, both Liberal National and Labor, at the state and federal level, washing their hands, as I said before, Pontius Pilate-like of the responsibility of providing housing to those who cannot enter the rental market or you know, enter the property market. 
and this state of affairs has occurred because of a number of political decisions, a number of legislative options which have been put forward, which allow those with disposable income to invest in the housing market, artificially drive up housing housing prices and receive a government, that's right, receive a government taxation benefit through negative gearing. So in this country, if you're homeless, you're legislated off the streets and if you've got enough disposable income to buy two, three, four, five, six, ten, fifteen new homes and rent them out, you can claim a tax deduction legally. And there are people who do it. The 15% of Australians are part of the investment class. So we've seen a number of political decisions which have been made which have compounded and created the housing crisis. Now currently, it only affects a relatively small number of people because currently official interest rates are 1.5% and most banks are charging 4 to 5% for home loans and they've recently crept up. What do you think would happen if the interest rates jumped from 5 to 10%? You would find tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of Australians who would find themselves in a great deal of difficulty. A 10%, a 5% interest rate on a 250000 mortgage, which is very small mortgage these days. Most mortgages are over 500000 because property prices have just escalated in the last three to four years. A 5%, right, would be 12500 interest. If it goes to 10%, that's $25,000. That's $50,000 for a half a million dollar loan. That's $1,000 a week just paying the interest, not even paying off the capital. Think about it. So we are on a knife edge. Each and every one of us, except those people who own their homes outright, and that's only about 30% of Australians, about 27 currently, are going to be in for a very, very rough thing, landing. So the Defend and Extend Public Housing campaign is not just about homelessness. It's not just about rents. It's not just about first home buyers. It's about everybody who is not an investor. Everybody who doesn't have the luxury of being able to own their own home. It is a campaign that incorporates most Australians. So Defend and Extend Public Housing. What's the strategy? What is the strategy? Now, on Wednesday, that's today, Wednesday, the 8th of February, we'll be outside Spring Street, Parliament House in Victoria to hold a Defend and Extend Public Housing Rally. This is the third rally we have held. The first rally was held in November, then December, and now February. And we try to hold the rallies on parliamentary sitting days to put pressure on the 88 members of the the Legislative Assembly in Victoria and the 40 members of the Legislative Council. Because the solution, the solution to homelessness and the solution to housing affordability is not criminalising people, is not increasing interest rates, it's not giving investors, you know, uh, tax breaks. 
the solution lies in an increase in the public housing sector. Now, housing affordability, as we all know, is a critical issue in Australia today. And over the past two decades, we have seen state and federal governments pursuing a policy of privatising public housing. I mean, Defend and Extend Public Housing was formed three months ago to ensure the case for public housing was at the forefront of the housing affordability debate. In a nutshell, it's very simple. I mean, things are not complex. We're told everything is so complex. We're told homelessness is complex. It's complex. It's complex. Bullshit. Or fecal material emanating from the anal orifice of a male cow. In a nutshell, the greater the number of public housing units built and maintained by state and federal governments, the greater the downward pressure on rents and the greater the ability of first-home buyers to enter the markets because decreasing rental revenue will force property investors who rely on rental returns and capital gains to divest themselves of their rental properties at reduced prices. Simple. So what is an inside-outside campaign? Because we are conducting a classical inside-outside campaign. An inside-outside campaign is a campaign that targets parliamentary representatives at the same time building a direct action mass movement which increases the pressure on parliamentary representatives to make legislative changes. There's nothing radical about an inside-outside campaign. It's really a waste of my time that I have to be joint convener of the Defend and Extend Public Housing campaign. This is the type of campaign we should be seeing Conservatives and Labor Party people and Green people supporting, pushing, initiating, but we don't see it. It's left to the radical elements of society to raise this central issue. In Victoria, while the Labor Party has a majority in Parliament and the Liberal National Party have substantial numbers in opposition, Two Green members, Melbourne and Paran, were elected to the Legislative Assembly at the last state election in 2015. In the Legislative Council, the Greens hold five seats, the Sex Party one, the Democratic Labor Party one, the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party two, and the Australian Employment Party one, giving the combined opposition a majority in the Legislative Council. The ALP is on a knife edge in six central Melbourne seats and with a good campaign, it's very likely the Greens will hold the balance of power in the Legislative Assembly and will determine who governs in Victoria after the 2018 state election. So why are we, why are we concentrating on them? Why are we concentrating on them? Because they... They... They have the ability to change the legislation. This is not a revolutionary campaign. This is a moderate campaign which is about forcing governments to take into account public angst and discord regarding housing affordability and increasing public housing stocks. It's simple. 
The inside campaign is directed at forcing the Labor government in Victoria to abandon its current housing policies and replace them with public housing friendly policies. Now, the Victorian Greens, unlike some other Green parties, have a clear policy of promoting and supporting public housing. The inside campaign is directed at targeting the ALP government to change its public housing policy. Currently, they are transferring both public housing management and titles to both the non-profit sector and the for-profit sector. The Victorian Housing Minister, Mr Mar- the Right Honourable, very Honourable Mr Martin Foley, represents the marginal inner city electorate of Albert Park. He won his seat as a consequence of a door-knocking campaign of public housing estates in his electorate claiming he opposed the Liberal National Party's Napfine government's attempts to privatise 12,000 public housing units three years ago. His parliamentary seat is particularly vulnerable because an increasing number of public housing tenants believe they were lied to in the last state election in Victoria. This campaign is centred around holding defend and extend public housing rallies on the steps of Parliament House till the next state election in November 2018. We will not go away. This campaign will expand as the need for public housing becomes more and more and more apparent to more people. This is a long term campaign this is a moderate campaign this is a winnable campaign because if there's one thing the Australian Labor Party can do is it can count well it used to be able to count and they know they have six vulnerable inner city seats which could go to the Greens at the next state election and all these inner city seats in Melbourne whether it's Richmond or Flemington or Williamstown or Albert Park or Northcote and the list goes on and on or Essendon all these vulnerable inner city seats have significant public housing estates and the beauty of living in public housing is not just the fact that rents are 25% of income if you're if you're on some type of government support but the fact that you've got housing security, the fact that a landlord can't give you 120 days' notice and tell you to vacate without giving a reason. Security is the key. The fact that you can send your kids to the same school, that you can build up friendships, that you can be part of a community. So what's the great Victorian Andrews-led Labor government doing? Well, obviously they were refuse to speak to us. Obviously, we keep inviting them to address the rallies and there will be one every month and next year maybe one every two weeks. As we're close to the state election, if they haven't changed their policies, maybe one every day. We may even set up a permanent encampment on the steps of Parliament House. So, I'd like to thank Terry from Mooney Ponds because he keeps sending me clips from newspapers which I refuse to read. But this time, he sent me a little ad. 
and I'd like to read you this ad, because it encapsulates the Victorian government's plans to totally destroy public housing as a viable entity in the state of Victoria. Advertisement. Victorian state government tenders. The Age. Page 30. Wednesday, the 25th of January, 2017. DHHS. Invitations for Expression of Interest Social Housing Pipeline Program. The Victorian Department of Health and Human Services is seeking expressions of interest from the social housing sector and private developers to participate in potential joint venture property development. The Victorian Social Housing Pipeline Program seeks to establish an innovative partnership approach to enable the delivery of affordable mixed tenure housing on vacant state-owned land across Melbourne and regional Victoria. The DHHS will leverage vacant land owned by the Director of Housing to enable new social housing to be developed by the profit, by the private and not-for-profit sectors alongside the development and sale of private dwellings. The three-year program will start with a pilot scheme on 52 vacant sites extending from Melbourne's western rear suburbs to Geelong. Expressions of interest close at 5pm on Friday the 24th of February 2017. There it is in a nutshell. Martin Foley, the Victorian Housing Minister and the Labor and the Victoria Labor Government's plans to destroy the public housing sector in Victoria. In black and white, their plans are simple. Run down existing public housing stocks and move public tenants from secure public housing dwellings to insecure social and community housing. Give away vacant public land to private developers who will develop this land for private dwellings. They will sell for a tidy profit while providing a very small number of social housing dwellings which will be managed and owned by private profit-driven and not-for-profit corporations and associations. Not one extra cent for public housing. These plans must be stopped. The Andrews-led Labor government is electorally vulnerable. The government holds six inner-city seats, including Martin Foley's seat of Albert Park, with a slim majority. These seats are vulnerable. The Victorian Greens have a policy of building more public housing. If they win three of these seats and retain the seats of Melbourne and Paran, they will hold the balance of power and determine that the next state government, whoever it is, makes public housing a primary aim of that government in Victoria. This is your opportunity to both defend and extend public housing. I encourage you to come to the mass rally today on the steps of Victoria's Parliament House in Spring Street in Melbourne. That's Wednesday, the 8th of February. Wednesday, the 8th of February. Listen to the guest speakers. Take hold of the mic. Speak in the open microphone. Wednesday, the 8th of February. Midday to 2pm. See you today. And if you can't make it this Wednesday, 
Wednesday the 8th of March is the next Defend and Extend public housing rally. We are not meteorites. This campaign is not run by meteorites that burn out after a month. This campaign is run by stars that will continue to twinkle long after this policy is changed. You have the opportunity to change the course of history. Join us midday, Wednesday the 8th of uh, February. If you can't make it the 8th of February, join us at midday, Wednesday the 8th of March. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. This program has been is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. You can write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com. Anarchistage at yahoo.com. A few Facebook pages. You can go to my personal Facebook page and see the things I'm involved in. No, you won't find out the colour of my underpants. Uh, Toscana, the number for the public. Toscana for the public. Become a friend. Like the page. Whatever that means. Um, you can uh, you can go a number of other websites. Public interest before corporate interest. Go to the Facebook page of public interest before corporate interest. You can... Um, Download the application form. Become a member of Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, pipsy.net. You can go to the Defend and Extend Public Housing Facebook page, Defend and Extend Public Housing Australia Facebook page. You can go to tunnelmall.org Facebook page, and the list goes on and on and on. But if you want to find out what's going on, most places go to the anarchistmedia.org, anarchistmedia.org. It'll have a lot of the information you require. Or go to my personal Facebook page, Toscano for the public. Toscano for the public. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. This program has been heard across Australia, courtesy of the Australian Radio Network. Listen in to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station next week. Don't forget... The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. 3cr.org.au. Use the ideas in the podcast. Pretend they're your own. Send them to your friends. Most importantly of all, become involved. Become active. Active citizens change the world. Evil minds that plot destruction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.